On this week's Big Footy Podcast, we talk about Gillan McLaughlin's interview on Monday night and what he plans to do with football admission and ticketing. We talk about Jonathan Brown's retirement, and Wookie answers the question, what the hell is going on down at Carlton? All that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. With me tonight, I've got the uh, lovely Seppo. Good evening. G'day, and how are you? And I have the radiant Mike. G'day, guys. How are you all? And uh, I think it speaks uh, about the the national nature of the game, that we're all in vastly different uh, areas today. I'm in Adelaide, and uh, Mike's uh, overseas, and... Seppo's in Cross is where Seppo is. Where are Melbourne. you, Seppo? In Melbourne. Eastern Suburbs. There you go. I am of course witnessing the apocalypse. So uh we're in day three here. I'm building an ark and gathering several of many different kinds of animals. And uh shortly Leave the port supporters behind. Well, I have no intention of taking either Adelaide or Port supporters with me. Um <laughs> I would hope not. They're, they're the kind, if I was Noah and these people were clamouring on the door of the ark, I would leave them all. Right? <laughs> so, leave, leave them with their potatoes. I would leave them all to their, you know, incest and uh, satanic uh, worship. Now, uh, having moved on from that, <laughs> what was your highlight from the weekend, guys? Uh, um, so, Mike, Seppo? Well, my highlight was going out and getting smashed on Friday night and not remembering where I was. Um <laughs> Jeez, uh, I saw some football on the weekend. That's right. I saw the Richmond Swans game. Jeez, I wish I hadn't watched footy then. I, after said, that. I said highlights, Seppo. Mike, <laughs> I said highlights. Let's get, let's get with the program here. You, your, my low light was your highlight. That sort of sums up that. <laughs> how, of, how many uh, highlights can one person have? Hey, get it. The only televised game here in Singapore is, is Sydney and Richmond. And then I get to tune in on Sunday and hear that my team got absolutely decimated by Port. Yeah. That was kind of expected, though, Mike. Well, the loss was expected to get... No, well, actually, the injuries, unfortunately, made it far worse than it really should have been. But anyway, that's what happens when you, uh, you're down at your rotations at quarter time and you've activated the sub and everything's going wrong, but, you know. <laughs> what about you, Seppo? What was your highlight, mate? Well, my big highlight for me was actually a, a result that went the uh, favourable way of Fremantle. As I was driving down to watch the um, Frio Lions game in a pub, I actually heard the final few minutes of Suns absolutely demolish the uh, Gold Coast in that last quarter. It was um, tight for most of the game, but just to hear how the Suns dealt with Geelong, um, I, I think I did tip uh, Gold Coast in an upset in one of my tipping comps, but didn't expect it to do in the fashion they did. It was just fantastic to hear that um, you know, some results are going around us. With Geelong losing is actually helping Frio, and they kept top four spot warm for us, and we snuck in there after we uh, demolished the Brisbane Lions. Mm. I, I, I did tip uh, Gold Coast to win uh, on uh, on the weekend, so that was probably my highlight. But along with that, it's always gratifying when my team loses, and so do Richmond and Collingwood. So, <laughs> uh, they, they, and it's sad, but that's my highlight for the round. <laughs> So, uh, 
yeah, not a not a not a very big news week. I mean, we're we're not going to talk about the Asada situation tonight. Everyone else has been. We're going to let the other media outlets cover that to their own. Uh, sent. We're quite frankly, we're fed up with it here, so we're going to take a week off from all that. But and you can read all about it on the on the Big Footy forums. We've got a whole section dedicated to uh, the Asada investigation and Essendon supporters taking you know happiness wherever they can find it at the moment. It's a sight to behold the uh, the Asada forums at the moment. But uh, so we're going to move on to uh, what little other news that there might be, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, obviously Jonathan Brown retired, legend of the game. Guys, how did you uh, how did you see Jonathan Brown's career? Well, it's interesting oh. just the way he actually finished up with um, no farewell game and just on doctor's advice. You know, it's his time. It's it's a pretty harsh way to go, but I suppose you just can't argue against it. It's always nice to see players actually get a send off game, but it's really just it sort of sums him up that the fact that he's gone out and it's his body that said you know no because he's put it on the line so many times and. It's funny when you think of Jonathan Brown, I just think of a, almost a blown up face now through injury and, and swelling and, and just the way he threw himself in and, and the highlights have been played so many times. You know, it won't be the goals he's kicked, it's the way he's backed into the pack and it sort of, you know, sums up a bit of what Australian football is about with the, the, the whole courage aspect of it and you've got to be tough to play it. So it's sort of great that it'll be remembered by that, but it's a bit tough and I suppose for some fans that would want to get him a good send-off, actually. You know, get, getting closer, edging on 600 goals. I think he ended up finishing on 594, I believe. So it's a, a bit of a shame, but obviously it's best that he um, goes out now and then, you know, his recent news of um, him and his partner, I think, expecting or just about to have a kid. So it's um, mm. another one. So it's, um, yeah, great to see. Mike? Oh, I was going to say, what more could I have had? That was such a beautiful synopsis there, Sefo. But no, look... Uh, Mr. Brown, he certainly does give a new meaning to the phrase the human headline, doesn't he? And and not for all the right reasons. I mean, I think if he if he could still play, and I don't think he would have wanted to retire, he would still be playing. He'd still be out there next week if he could. And uh, that, that's just the type of guy he is. He'll go out there and he'll keep punishing himself and putting his body on the line. But, you know, I mean, someone has to do the right thing. And, and I think the club and the doctors have done the right thing here and tapped them on the sh- shoulder and said, uh, you know, come on, Brownie, you've got to think about your future, mate. Because that brings in an, a whole line of discussion with, you know, where does the AFL step in when they have players with repetitive head injuries who uh, keep on suffering concussions? And, um, I mean, to Brownie's credit, he's been around for a long time. He is a champion and uh, he will be missed for his tenacity. And uh, he's never give up attitude, but um, I think certainly some opposition support, opposition players will be happy that they won't be getting head butted by him in these days. I know, um, um, but yeah, yeah. So keep going. No, 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 that's all right. Um, you know, a shame that he won't get a sent off game, but I'm sure he'll be out there doing a lap of honour in the back of a Ute somewhere um, this weekend <laughs> or a weekend to come. Yeah. No, I, I um, honestly, I think he was the last of those truly fearless big men. Um. Used to have a lot of them in the 80s and 90s that used to throw themselves at people. And for me, he exemplified... He's probably the last of that breed for me. Um, he's big, and he he had no hesitation in, in, in going into the packs and and getting into the nitty-gritty of the game. And you just don't see a hell of a lot of that from big blokes anymore, for my liking. But then again, I'm a Carlton supporter, and my big men are uh, almost non-existent in that regard, so... 
like almost the last three that sort of pop into my head in that Mulder, you know, the Barry Hall and Fraser Gehrig yeah. types are real, real big, you know, 100 plus kilo types that could throw their weight around and you just don't see it anymore. It's now you're talking about, you know, Travis Cloak, that's the biggest, or Tom Hawkins, the bigger bodied forwards now these days. So, and even them, they're, they're not really the. They're not physically imposing. That Brownie was. No. Like yeah. for, for their size, you get big blokes. And you get imposing blokes, but it's very rare you get a big imposing bloke like Brown was these days. Like he really, uh, and I know this is um, like his last game against Carlton was a step. Like it was a return to form for him. Like he was really, I mean, he he does it to us every freaking time we play, and he just he took he took our back line to pieces, and he he just does that all the time, and he can do that. He did that in three flags for the, for Brisbane and. I just, I, I think it, the game is poorer for him not playing anymore. Mm. It's almost need to find a role for him out in the field because I suppose it's that because he's such a courageous type, he adds a bit of on-field leadership, and Brisbane, you know, becomes such a better side, and it's really going to suck for them now to go for the rest of the whole season without someone like him. They almost need to employ him as a runner just to get him out there and you know rally the troops, and even though he can't impact on the field, but just put him out there for the for the rest of the team. But I suppose quicker they move on, they'll they'll find a a replacement for him, but they're obviously going to have a big hole in terms of a leadership and what he offers out in the field. I think it was uh, I don't, one, of, one of the I stories say, that... I don't know, with, as, with the Runnergate affair going on and, and runners getting too close to the action, <laughs> he, may, he might be to the detriment of the Brisbane Lions. But I, I was going to say that, you know, footy is evolving and uh, those players now, unfortunately, gone. Clubs are drafting athletes first, football players second. And I think... The way the bench is now with the rotations and the caps on the rotations and the substitutes, it's really looking at endurance and uh, athleticism over you know the old days of the sheer brute strength type game. But I'm not sure that's going to last. I mean, the AFL is showing signs of getting fed up with the kind of game that we saw on Friday night. That that whole rolling mall of players. Um, the AFL is uh, apparently already had a word to coaches about it. Um, because it's not an umpiring thing, it's not a rules thing, it's the way the game is being coached at the moment. Mm. Um, I actually think it's something to do, and I've had a, a lot of topics of the conversation about it, and it's it's almost the way that the AFL is trying to implement rules like a um, an interchange cap and a rotation to force the way of um, play, but the, it's working the opposite way that the, the coaches and the players are actually working way around this to hinder what the actual AFL are trying to implement. So... Rather than actually, you know, speed up the game and open it up, the players are actually conserving their energy and putting in strategies and things that actually slow the game down. And it's it's working actually almost against them by putting this interchange cap in. I think the sub rule's good, but I reckon they should just drop the interchange cap and, and let the game progress naturally without trying to force changes upon them and let the game evolve naturally. The, the problem is the AFL has to make sure the, uh, the product of the game, and I hate using the term product, um, and it, up, to, up until a couple of years ago, we never heard the game described as a product. Um, that came around during like, TV rights negotiations uh, last time. But the AFL has a responsibility to make sure that people are entertained by the game. And at the moment, you, crowds are down, TV, uh, you know, TV ratings are down, and games, the, 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 the amount of games that aren't entertaining now because whether it's poor skills, because clubs are drafting young players that just aren't skilled enough, or co- clubs don't have the right skills coaches, or whatever the problem is there, 
or you've got this rolling mass of players that just roll along. And I know on the couch on um, on Monday night they were showing Gillan McLaughlin like rugby tests and things like that, and saying this is what our game has become. <laughs> like, I just don't. I just don't see it as good for the game if coaches are going to actively circumvent the rules. And I know it's their job to win, but it's also their job to make sure people are still interested in uh, in, in, in coming to the game. Otherwise, there's no point in trying to win because people just won't be there to watch. Look, I, I agree with Seppo. Um, I, it took me a while to warm to the fact of having a sub, but I think the interchange rota- cap on rotation has been a fundamental f- cause of why this is going about. You know, back before the uh, rotation cap, the game was moving a lot faster. Players would be on for five, ten minutes, run their, gets out, run their guts out, get off and have a rest, have a breather and come on. And there was no worry about uh, interchange rotations. Now, it's almost that the rotation cap has slowed the game out on or slowed the game down to a point that coaches have to put into their tactics a way to keep players on for longer without burning them out too quick. Um, so it's it's altering the far speed of the game. It's slowing it down. It's um, expanding the time that the players are on the ground in one stint, and they're not expending as much energy so they can keep through a rotation and maximise that throughout the game without going over and, and being penalised. It's it's a fine balance, and I think you know it's going to take time for for coaches to get used to. It's not something that I think is uh, can be uh, easily worked out in, in one or two seasons. Yep, fair enough. All right. The other thing uh, that one of the other things that came out this week in the news was that uh, the AFL was considering revisiting the origins of the league itself and pushing the start date back to eighteen seventy from. Uh, its current date of 1897, and thereby including uh, uh, VFA flags in club totals. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Goss? Ah, we'd have nine flags. I'd be happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) I know know from Seppo's perspective, he wouldn't... um, For me, I don't really care what happened before Freo came into the comp, so whatever flags before our time are irrelevant. I know Carlton would have 22 flags. But for all that, I still don't think that it's the AFL... It's just pointless tinkering with the game. It's some committee somewhere justifying its existence by playing around with stuff that isn't broken. You're right to a degree. I think it's probably... I I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging in the club's history, but the Australian Football League, for all intents and purposes, really started in, in 1990, didn't it? Mm. You know, well, the, 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 that's when the AFL kicked in. The VFL had had gone on from its old format um, into the new format, and so if we go by the v, the AFL count, it's probably a, a more realistic indication of where where the clubs are at. Um, so they are talking about breaking up the flags into like AFL flags, VFL flags, and VFA flags. Yeah. Um, and I don't see the point. I, I don't see the point in that either. The fact is, the league came into existence when clubs broke away in 1897. It, may, it has maintained a continuous existence ever through. It went through a rebrand in 1990. The AFL website describes it as a rebrand. Well, actually, it says it was renamed. So there was no other change. The same clubs in 1989 were the same clubs in the league in 1990. So, for well, me... Well, I think we can... Sorry. For me, I don't care... 
and I, I have it in for West Australians. Sorry, Seppo. Um, I, I, I have a running battle with West Australians on the forums as it is, so hi to all of you. Uh, <laughs> and my family are all West Australians, so this probably doesn't help. But, look, you guys joined the league. We were already there. We were already playing. You guys came to us. We didn't come out to you. So, oh come on! Look, you know what you know what the real truth behind this is, don't you? Mr. Costa, Mr. Frank Costa, brought up this argument so Geelong supporters could have bragging rights well, over Hawthorne. Wasn't there Costa, you go. It was, it was Colin Carter, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's um, Geelong either <laughs> this way. This goes back years ago, but anyway, yeah, yeah, it's but, all about Geelong's bragging rights over Hawthorne. Well, much of a muchness now, really. I, I just don't see the point, and I, I think no, it's, I, I think agree, there are. I agree. The game has bigger issues. Yeah. The game has much bigger issues to worry about than uh, re- trying to rewrite history. Although I note that they're also going to re-examine the origins of the game and take another look at Mangrook and all that stuff. And so that ought to be riveting in the future. I really don't know why the AFL needs to do that. I'm sure every club, through their own history and existence, will do a great job of recognising any type of flag or achievements and, and that's their exactly origins it. in the past. But it's not up to the AFL to decide it. To you know, put them all onto a level level playing field and said, "All right, you can all, you know, compare the size of your flags, you know, from this date or this date." It's there's no real point, you know. Every club can have their own way of doing it, and I don't think the AFL really needs to go back and look at something like that in the past. They just move on to the future. And it really does rob the VFA of its own history as well by doing that. Um, even though the VFA hasn't done a particularly fantastic job of looking after its own history, it it, it is wrong of the AFL to just subsume it into its own and just go, okay, this is all ours now. So, anyway, moving along, and uh, Gillan McLaughlin was on AFL 360, uh, not AFL 360, on the couch on Monday night, and they addressed a number of questions to him, and the first part was about Asada, and we're not going to deal with that, but the second parts were about uh, things to do with the game itself, like the cost of going, and whether he can fix car parking, and and things like that. And he did say that um, he's limited in what he can do, obviously. Like, he doesn't control uh, the car parking at Docklands. He doesn't control uh, catering at either ground in Melbourne. So he can. He, he did say that the one thing he can do is look at the cost of going, and so they can look at the, the schedule. He said he's not happy with the scheduling. Um, and he did give an indication that Thursday night will go... What well, Thursday night football will be more regular next year. Monday nights will be less regular. Um, so we're probably going to see the end of Monday night. He did say that Friday, a uh, good Friday football probably won't happen next year, mainly because it's the first round, of, it'll probably be the first round of the season uh, due to the world, uh, the Cricket World Cup and uh, due to the AFL's desire to have a Richmond Carlton opener, apparently. Um, he did say that uh, the variable pricing has confused people and so there might be some adjustments to that as well. So there's encouraging signs. I think the AFL's realised that it's bollocks things up a bit this year in terms of scheduling, in terms of pricing uh, in the game itself. And he did say that the AFL can do things about reserve seating, it, it, it like tickets sold in advance, because uh, game costs are taken out of the, uh, out of general admission tickets before they take before the clubs write the money. So if St Kilda make a loss on a game or the Bulldogs make a loss on a game, it's because they've sold fuck all in general admission. I suppose when you look at the ticketing, 
the ticketing's mm. the biggest issue I hear from um, you know regular talkback calls on the radio and general fans complaining, especially um, some of the big four clubs in Melbourne. They actually talk about the way that people have paid up front for their their membership and what gives them right to get to certain games. And you hear about, you know, buying a seat will cost you an extra, you know, $12 or $5 or $6 on, on top of a ticket. That just... And sometimes you're up. not finding that out until you get to the ground. Yeah, and that would really irk me as a supporter. And, and that would sort of put me off from going. If For me, you know, I buy my membership and that should just give me rights to all the games that you're actually sign up for in the end without any ex, you know, extra costs. Especially if you buy a reserve seating membership, like that should be the end of it for you. Like you've it got your seat, be. you've got your membership. Thank you very much. I'm just going to turn up for you know my 11 games a year. Um, but that depends, though. I mean, if I think if if you buy an 18 game membership, you get your 11 home games and your reserve seat for 11 home games, and I think you get general access for, or you get you get the uh, reserve seat for the full 18 games. Do you? I honestly have no I can't idea. Remember. I would be surprised if you did, but um, I honestly don't know having not lived in Melbourne in 12 years. So I, don't, I honestly don't know. The, the, the problem I see is, is one, the, the Twilight Sunday night games, I think they're crap for scheduling. But well, I think they're going like... on the ticketing issue, going, sorry, sticking on the ticketing issue for a moment, when we look back to two weekends ago with Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs that Eddie, Eddie had, that was a Collingwood home game. And uh, it was fully ticketed. So they only got 28,000 there and they mm. could have got a lot more had they opened up uh, level three to general admission, but because it's a Collingwood game that it's, they, uh, I think the AFL deems it a fully ticketed match. So yeah, they they're did. not going to get enough like, people there. It was an A-class game apparently. And so yeah. variable pricing and stuff applied, which is pretty stupid, but just on Sunday night games, they'll be gone. Apparently that's the, the AFL's not overly happy with them. They're just, people aren't responding to it. Um, he did say that it might depend on how well the Collingwood Carlton game is attended on the weekend because that's a Sunday night game. But uh, if previous blockbuster games that have been held at that time are any indication, uh, it won't uh, it won't matter. So I think, I we'll think see... you've got to use a Sunday night schedule sparingly, you know, for those big games where you know you're going to get at least 60,000, 70,000 people. And, and I only have them at the MCG. I don't think uh, Eddie had a, a good venue for having a night game, a twilight game. I honestly don't see why Sunday night games aren't played in Perth. It helps with the earlier time slot. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, for people there, they can actually get to the game and get home. You know, if they've got kids worried about school for the next day, and if probably beams into a later time slot into the homes in well, the East Coast, it doesn't you, really matter too you can much. Play, there, you, can so play a sun, you can play a Sunday night game at four thirty in the afternoon in Perth. It's on TV in prime time in Melbourne. Um, people are getting home at a relative, you know. Games finishing seven thirty or eight o'clock yeah, over there. Games finishing no seven thirty, eight o'clock. People are getting home before ten. Everyone is happy. How is this not a per- if they want to have games on Sunday night? How is that not a perfect solution? Mm. It fits everything. I mean, it guarantees Eagles and Dockers games on Sundays, but um, mm. and, and that can't be bad for them. You know, when you go into the footy, don't you? Know I mean? <laughs> I'm going on Sunday. I'm going on Sunday. You know. And that, that, I mean, it, it, everyone's got to be happy with that. It satisfies the East Coast TV audience. It gives, uh, it, it gives uh, the Eagles and Dockers a game in a decent time slot and broadcast at a decent time for TV. I did notice the Frio game on the weekend was delayed into Perth as well, which was odd. 
Um, it was it was on an hour delay, so I think uh, Channel Seven are starting to freak out about the ratings over there a bit because mm. live ratings mm. have been appalling in Perth. Even our attendances, we're, we're the same. We're actually selling out games, the actual attendances on them. And I know some of it's due to bad weather and maybe not the time slots, but um, it is quite interesting here when you think a, a game's going to sell out, yet you see a lot of empty seats there and people don't rock up for whatever reason it, it'd be. So, yeah. So, basically, from what Gillian McLaughlin was saying, there'll be some changes made. Um, I think they've already... We've got two rounds of buys this year. That won't happen again, apparently. Um, that was foreshadowed earlier in the year. And so there'll be a lot of changes. I don't think the AFL's happy with the scheduling from this year. I think they tried too much, too hard, too early. And uh, I think the changes next year, people will be a lot happier with if the AFL can get them through. Um, the AFL did... Uh, McLaughlin also said that uh, Friday, uh, good Friday football isn't a guarantee. It's a, the commission gave it a go-ahead, but the, uh, the executive isn't convinced yet that it's the way to go. Um, that there are, you know, obviously two sides to that and they've got to uh, respect other people's sensitivities in the matter. So it may or may not go ahead yet. Just the commission has said it can. So there you go. So what, what do you think your reasoning would be? What do you think the reasoning would be as to why they would not go ahead? Religion. Purely religion. Really? Yep. Why? When, they, when they've... And I don't want to turn this into a political debate, but when they've taken a lot of religion or reference to religious religion out of public schools. Honestly, I don't know, but that's, uh, you know, the AFL, I think, does try to be uh, somewhat traditional in ways. I mean, that's why we still have a Saturday afternoon grand final. It's why I think um, we haven't had a good Friday game for some time. Um, I, I just think... Uh, yeah, the AFL will, may still try to respect that uh, tradition of not having a game, but um, I'm just trying to I play devil's advocate, you know. Just... Yeah, yeah, of course. No, it's a free, free country here on the podcast, my friend. But we are going to move on. We must move on, and we're going to take a look at the weekend's games. We're going to scoot through these pretty quickly. Uh, Richmond, Sydney on Friday night. Uh, the Swans, I think, uh, winning. Oh well. Well, I think they did win, uh, taking out uh, Richmond by 11 points in what was uh, one of the worst games of football seen this year. And uh, I think Seppo saw this game. Yeah, I did. And um, yeah, one of the worst games I've definitely seen. I was, it was the first time I've actually got close to switching off a Friday night game. They've usually been pretty good, but this one was um, quite close to the switch-off material. But luckily, Buddy um, set it alight in that last quarter and really pushed... Um, Sydney forward and it's, it's funny that you know the margin was only what, 11 points in the end it just seemed that it, it could have been a lot more and um, yeah just the, the quality of play was um, deplorable I would say yeah uh, Mike no comment oh, I did see the game and I was disgusted uh, I switched it off at three quarter time and thought bugger this I'm going out drinking but yeah. Yeah, you expect you expect a lot more from out of city. Look, Richmond, I don't know with Richmond. I really don't know where Richmond are this year. They're not doing very well. They're not doing as well as we expected. But I expect a lot better display out of Sydney than what they put up on Friday night. I really do. And it was one of those. It's one of those games where if you were a visitor and someone said, "Come over, watch your footy Friday night," you probably wouldn't be watching again. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. 
Saturday at uh, well Adelaide Oval, and sorry to bring this one up and relieve your, your nightmare, uh, Mike, but uh, Port Adelaide demolished the Western Bulldogs by 72 points. Yeah, look, we we were uh, we had to activate the sub at uh, in the first quarter, um, unfortunately, Griff and. Had a problem with Grant getting kicked in the face. Uh, Ruffy hurt his shoulder again, so we were looking very, very bad in the first half. We sort of kept with him, but then, you know, we only used 90 rotations in the entire game, and we were down to a two-man bench, so it doesn't really say a lot. Mm. I think uh, probably up to half-time the score was, uh, you know, the score flooded us, but not much you can do in those circumstances, not much any real coach could do in terms of uh, having that many injuries and things go wrong uh, to contend with at the same time. So, you know, and to top it off, I think that was going to come out in the second half and just run away based on their, based on their fitness and ability to run out games. So, you know, it was no surprise when things started going to pear shaped. I was just hoping that, uh, you know, they, they'd, they'd uh, play a, a good contested game and, and not get blown away, but under the circumstances, you, you could probably understand why that happened. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to top it off, uh, Gia got another got two weeks off. Yeah, look, I think he had a bit of a brain fade. There was there was really no need for that. Um, it didn't achieve anything. It didn't affect what happened down the field. So I think it was just Gia just having a bit of a brain fade. Maybe you know a few more extra grey hairs. But anyway, <laughs> he'll have uh, a couple of weeks off to think about that, which which doesn't help the club because. We've already got problems on the forward line now. We've, I'm not sure if... I think Grant's broken his nose. Tory Dixon is still weeks away with a torn pectoral muscle. And, uh, you know, mm. you just need you just need those older players to be a little bit more aware and uh, and not do those silly things. But anyway, what's done is done, and Pollock wasn't uh, injured. So, uh, G will have to uh, suck it up and, you know, not do it again. Yeah. Saturday afternoon, Hawthorne defeated Collingwood by 29 points. Um, did either of you see this? No, I followed a bit of it on um, the radio, I think, and it sounded like Collingwood were quite competitive, but obviously just uh, slipped away at the last minute. I think it was the third quarter where I think it was tight, more than you know, two goals either way for most of the game. It looks mm-hmm. like Hawthorne really pushed away and did well what they did. Um, so... It's a bit unlucky for Collingwood, but Hawthorne, I suppose, are just showing how uh, dominant they can be. And I think they had a couple of players that were down on form, yet still got a, a decent enough result. Mm. 70,000 people at the game on the weekend, which uh, wasn't too bad. About 1,000 or 2,000 short of the game last year. Um, Gold Coast, perhaps a surprise packet of the round for many. I, not for me, I picked this game. But uh, Gold Coast de- defeated Geelong by 40 points at uh, at uh, Metricon. Metricon. And this is quite interesting because I actually looked at the uh, Geelong side and actually strengthened their side a bit. I think they made six changes and at some point some people say that, you know, six is probably too much but when you looked at the type of players they brought back in going, oh, well, you know, they're going to get better and, and do a good job against the Suns but I suppose the Suns have just showed that, you know, they fell short against the Eagles I think the week before by a couple of points so could have had another result there and be firmly entrenched into the eight, but I suppose they just got that scalp that showed that you know it's it's either Geelong are, are still you know ready to be considered as a top eight side, and Geelong are showing sides that even though they're getting a full strong side out there on paper, that they're um, not all up to scratch. Like I said earlier, this is the game. Like this is one of those games that Gold Coast had to win to be taken seriously in the finals. Um, they had to beat a top eight, like they had to beat like one of those top teams 
to really convince anyone that they were going to be there. And a 40-point win at Metricon, even though it wasn't Metricon, that a 40-point win over Geelong is nothing to be sneezed at. And uh, there'll be a lot of teams looking that off, uh, look, looking at that game and starting to f- uh, freak out just a little bit, I think. You're right, you're right. And um, you would want to think now that Guy McKenna would want to start getting some form and some scalps um, under their belt before they come into the finals if you know, if they want to be taken seriously. And they're certainly on the right track now. They're, they're starting to come into uh, some good form at the right time. Well, let's see if they can carry that on. But mm. um, it's certainly a, an impressive result. Um, otherwise, you know, people might be turning around and saying, well, you know, they, they can beat the teams outside the eight, but they can't really do much against the higher teams hide them. So, you know, I hope they do well. Good luck to them. And, uh, yeah, it was a definitely a good win. Um, I wasn't surprised. I was a little bit surprised by the result. But, you know, six changes to the Geelong side, as Seppo, as Seppo mentioned. Uh, I thought Geelong were actually taking this game quite serious. So it probably poses a few more questions on the Geelong side rather than the Gold Coast side. I think there might be a few teams taking them a little bit more seriously in future. Saturday evening, Fremantle took on Brisbane. Uh, this was uh, something of a demolition. <laughs> Seppo, 83 points to uh, Fremantle, if my maths Ooh. is correct. This game was played what? at Patterson Stadium in front of a rather small crowd due to the weather, they tell me. Yeah, um, it was uh, pissing down with rain and, and quite a, a really uh, rough night out there and it was a rough night for Brisbane who only managed to put one point up on the scoreboard up until half time and that was in the first few minutes in the game and that wasn't even a shot on goal I think it was a rush behind so um, the fact that Frio had them against the ropes at 51 to 1 I think at half time was just a, a real sign of uh, the times and um, I think uh, I think it was um, Source Merritt had a chance to actually kick one of their first goals um, shortly after and actually uh, hit the post from 10 or 15 metres out directly in front. So that was quite comical. But for us, I didn't actually expect to see such a dominant performance like that. Um, I expected a margin a lot closer. But, um, yeah, it was just a good result for Freo to be able to put away a side like that in a dominant fashion. And, you know, we did sort of take the foot off the pedal a bit in that third quarter and and let them back in and kick a couple. But um, great to see that we've, you know, scored over 100 points again. and, And we did that without two key backmen and McFarlane and Johnson out there. So, um, you know, we're doing the job there and, and John losing gave us that opportunity to win, increase our percentage and sneak into fourth spot. Yep. And uh, Saturday night, uh, Essendon getting up over Adelaide at, uh, at Eddie had uh, uh, nine points in the end. Um, any comments? Yeah, look, oh. I... Sorry. Go on, Sipo. No, I was going to say this is quite an interesting game because I actually thought the uh, toll of more Essendon saga stuff would actually um, hit them and, and Adelaide looked like they were in a bit of form. I think they had a win coming off a win against North the week before. So I suppose they're an inconsistent side, Adelaide, at the moment, along with you know, North and Richmond. You just never know what you're going to get with them each week. So um, Essendon has shown they've still got a lot of quality out there and um, getting good results. And you know it wasn't the biggest of margin, but... Um, it was, I think, the highlight, and I did. I only saw a replay of it, but that uh, Jenkins take and, and goal was, um, yeah, really good for the the big man. Great to see. Yeah. Yeah, right. certainly Adelaide uh, uh, looking like a, like uh, one of the up and down teams. Definitely um, in form one week, get the form the other. Mm. But um, I don't know. I, I, 
you, you have you hear of these clubs, you know, traditionally when clubs go through a hard time, they generally they generally uh, fall down on their form um, the preceding games. But um, you know, credit to Western, I guess they stuck it out and they manufactured the win against Adelaide Crows. So yeah, um, all more to play out to them, I guess. Yep. All right, Sunday afternoon and GWS at Spotless uh, defeated Carlton by eight points. Um, I don't know if anyone was really surprised by this. The form line for GWS was reasonable heading into this, and Carlton have been all over the place in the last couple of weeks. So GWS uh, took this out by eight points, and Carlton got what they deserved. Uh, And I say that as a Carlton supporter. It's funny, because before this game, I actually um, had GWS tipped, but when I heard that um, Cameron was out, I actually changed my tip thinking that that might have been enough to swing it back into Carlton's favour. And um, I didn't catch the match, but just looking at the schoolworm now, it actually seemed to be like GWS was in front for most of the game and didn't blow out too much. But they sort of uh, must have put on a good performance to hold on a, um, a Carlton side that was obviously desperate for the win. Um, but it's yeah, just quite interesting to see that you know GWS, have, this is the first time they've actually won two games in a row now. So it's... Mm sign of the times for then and only a couple of weeks ago there's a lot of media getting into them going oh you know this is a failed experiment and will they ever you know win enough games and it's got them off the uh bottom of the ladder now i think it actually leaves um even richmond are actually sitting in their wake now that with um richmond only three wins and gw is actually notched up four yep so what's what come on what's going on with carlton Wookie? what is going on with well, carlton? i want to talk about that in a minute um, if if we we'll get through these games first, and I want I'll, I'll talk about that shortly, but because um, there's a I've I've got a bit of a rant that I've promised um, to the guys on the Carlton podcast that I must deliver, so um, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but first off, West Coast had a good away win at uh, Eddie Had on Sunday, uh, getting over St Kilda by 33 points. You say it was good, but I say it was terrible. Well, I, I say it was an away win. Game. Uh, it was good for them to get the win. They needed it, but I watched that game, and um, this was probably second-worst game of the round in terms of skills on display. These two sides, um, well, it was just terrible. Uh, poor Saints are struggling, but the the West Coast, um, even with McGovern doing a good job in the forward line, the rest of their um, midfield and, and a lot of their players, they are definitely missing a lot of talent, mm. I think, on that list. Yeah, the result was was hardly surprising, and and I ex- actually expected a bigger blowout than thirty odd points. So um, obviously, West Coast have got their own problems uh, with uh, having a staple team. But um, yeah, it just it was, I, I did see a fair few chunks of the highlights of the game, and it definitely wasn't pretty. Um, another one of those games that comes back to just uh, slowing down, poor skills. And uh, sometimes it just makes you shake your head and wonder where the game is going. Well, there's such a disparity growing between the, the informed fit teams and those teams that are really struggling. Mm. North uh, Melbourne uh, were the final victors for round 14, getting up over Melbourne by uh, 41 points in the end. Um, I'm not sure anyone was really surprised by this. I think some people might have thought Melbourne might have been able to get up given their uh, recent uh, recent form, but I think that game played out pretty much how people expected. I think Melbourne were quite competitive for that. I expected a, a margin a lot closer than the final one, and it did look like 
it's showing signs now that Melbourne, you know, some of those young kids are getting tired and they probably won't have as much dominant performance as they did at the start of this year. So, and, and they unfortunately copped a, um, a serious injury to um, poor uh, Cross. I think he um, broke his leg or something. I think the um, outcome or diagnosis was from that. And he, I don't know if he got subbed out late in the game, but it's um, pretty sad news to hear they've lost one of their um, great new recruits they brought along to help them get the results they have so far. Yeah, Crossy will Crossy will uh, be a big loss to them for the rest of the season. Um, you know, so they're really going to suffer now in the midfield without Cross to help out uh, Jones. Yep. So that brings us to the ladder at the end of round 14, and obviously Port Adelaide are still a game clear on top, um, and they've got the showdown this week, and we'll talk about that momentarily. Hawthorne, uh, they are second and equal with the Swans there. Uh, facing Gold Coast and GWS, respect to Libby. Uh, Fremantle in fourth uh, on percentage ahead of the Cats. A huge uh, percentage. A huge percentage, it must be said. 134.2 to 106.4. Uh, Fremantle have West Coast, so uh, Western Derby this week. And, derby, uh, is that right? I'm a Victorian, <laughs> mate. You can t- stick your derby. and <laughs> Ge- Geelong uh, have Essendon, so... Uh, interesting games there Collingwood uh, coming in a game behind those in 6th and they've got Carlton this week North Melbourne uh, coming in 7th and Gold Coast all equal there so 6th, 7th and 8th they're all level, Essendon a game behind them in ninth. Uh, West Coast in 10th uh, Adelaide in 11th they're 10th and 11th equal there uh, West Coast on percentage just up Carlton and the Bulldogs and GWS and Melbourne all level on four wins apiece and uh, of the appalling percentage that those four teams have, Carlton uh, right up there, Melbourne are the, well below them. And Richmond, Brisbane and St Kilda all uh, all down the bottom there on three wins apiece. So, Who would have thought at the start of the season you would say that Richmond are now sort of over the halfway point of the season and they are equal last? Yeah, as a... Yeah. As, as a Carlton supporter, I would have said you that. You don't mind. <laughs> As a Carlton we'll supporter, that. I would have said that. But it, it no, in all seriousness, that's a bit of a shock. I thought Brisbane were going to improve this year. Um, they haven't, but I think no one is surprised at St Kilda's place at the bottom of the ladder. Um, I think momentarily at about round three or four, we thought we might have all been wrong. But, um, yeah, they've kind of lived up to where we thought that they were going to be. I actually uh, predicted at the start of the season that GWS, Melbourne, Lions and St Kilda would be some combination of the bottom four. I didn't see Richmond stooping to this level. But I suppose when you look at their percentage, their percentage is 92. So if you actually sort all the percentages, they might actually sit somewhere around the 11th or 12th mark, kind of where most people would think they'd need to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they are not, yeah, their percentage would put them ahead of Carlton in 12th if mm. it was done on a percentage basis, which fortunately it's not. So that's the end of the round. Look, I did uh, want to have a bit of a discussion about, um, obviously, Carlton. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, and I did promise this a couple of weeks ago. And honestly... Where are they at? Tell us, Wookie. I think when you get to the point where your own supporters are saying, look, play the kids, you're screwed. And I'll tell you why. There's no difference between tanking and playing the kids for mine. You're not playing 
players based on who's the best and who's not. You're playing people based on who's going to be there next year or who's going to be there the year after or where the future is. You're playing, you're playing kids for the hell of it because you've got no other option. You're sending players off to that you wouldn't normally send off to have uh, their injuries fixed and all sorts of crap. And it is an abomination. I do not support a club to have them not try to win. It, it sickens me when I see it. It sickens me when I know it's happening. And it just... it I, I can't abide it. And that is what is going to be happening at Carlton now for the rest of the year. It Especially is tank- when you played finals last year. It is tanking by another name. And I, th- I think, um, personally, that we've gone backwards under Malthouse... For, for Malthouse to come out and openly say he had no faith in the team, that we didn't have the cattle for his goddamn game plan uh, from the word go, that's, that's just bullshit. Adjust your fucking game plan or get out of coaching. You don't, you don't have this fixed game plan and it's the only game plan you have. When it doesn't work, that's it. I, I'm, you know, it's not my fault, it's the players. No, you've had two years. Well, you've had a year and a half with the players. They're not showing any signs of getting any more consistent. They're not improving. You know, Levi Casbolt can still take a mark, but he still can't kick straight. You know, just... For the coach to come out from day one and say, we don't have the cattle, and then treat them, and continue to coach to a game plan that doesn't work for him is incompetent, in my opinion. I think we've gone backwards. We made finals last year because Essendon dropped out, but we made finals before that two out of three years. Mm. And we've just consistently gone backwards since. And it, it just, it riles me no end when we get to this time of the year. Games that we should have won, games that we could have won, but we're not winning. We're not any more consistent than we were under Ratten. We're not any more. We're not kicking any more. We're not kicking any straighter. Where you know, we had a fifty goal a year forward that we sent off to Adelaide because we couldn't afford him, and then drafted Daisy Thomas, who we played unfit for the first half of the year, and he hasn't kicked fifty goals for the bloody year, and we've been playing him as a forward. Mm. He's not going to kick fifty goals next year either. I'll tell you now. We had another fifty goal a year forward who we sent to the halfback flank. Guess what we can't do this year? Kick fucking goals. And yes, I'm going to swear. Sorry, Chief. <laughs> but this aggravates me. It you know, is funny now, we're actually looking at this list to see that Troy Menzel is your leading goal kicker. Of course we've he not is. seen. And you've actually used pretty much every single player on the senior list, except for the three draftees, I think. Teammate, Giles and Holman. And the Irishman. We haven't used any of our new Irish guys. That's it. Oh, and Cameron Wood hasn't got a game, and that surprises me because he's one of the Collingwood guys that can. And I am appalled at the Collingwoodification of Carlton. It isn't. It annoys the crap out of me because we're not pulling people. We're not pulling in the best people. We're pulling in his mates. Guys who were great at Collingwood with with the team he had in two thousand and ten, but are freaking useless. And how the hell John Barker is still a coach at Carlton, a forward coach at Carlton, I might add, in one of the most useless forward lines where we haven't had a key position forward of any note since fucking Lance Whitnell quit, (laughs) 
is uh, is appalling. You're not counting Fev. <laughs> oh well, we sent Fev off, and honestly, I'm not entirely sure we wouldn't have been better off just keeping him. But anyway, that's my rant done. Any well, other fair questions fair. you wanted? No, I just want to no, say, no, is, no, is there any to our world? What's is that? there any player um, on the list that has actually advanced forward in their development? Because I can't think of one off the top of my head going, oh, you know, this guy looks like he's had a better 2014 than he has 13. Honestly, Menzel has. Menzel is without doubt the shining light of Carlton's season. He has he has been a tremendous player. He has been a live wire spark. And I can only imagine Geelong looking at him going, why can't your freaking brother be like this? Mm. <laughs> like... Um, and, and, and everyone else is just going, please don't do your knee, please don't do your knee, please don't do your knee. Like, but Menzel, Menzel has without doubt, I don't, just, Menzel has been a, the, the spark for the season for me. He has, uh, he has, he has had a good year. I, th- I think guys are trying, I, you know, Gibbs has started to come out of his shell and that's great and he wanted it after signing a five-year contract. Um, Murphy had a, you know, Murphy went through a purple patch there and that was good. Um, but Menzel, Men- Menzel's the one that's come where, come pretty much out of nowhere to, uh, to, to take that. I, th- I think people who watched him in the VFL and, and watched him come through were expecting him to do stuff like this. But for, for those of us that don't really pay attention to that development stuff, uh, will not have been, will have been less aware. So, but Men- Menzel definitely the shining light, I think. People, Warnock's had a reasonable year, but for me, he's still too one-dimensional in terms of he's just a ruckman. He literally is a guy that stands in the middle and wins hitouts, and he does nothing else. Things could be worse. You could have Hampson on your list still. Honestly, I'm not sure it would be worse. Um, <laughs> Ask Richmond fans that. <laughs> it's, take a deep breath, Wookie. Take a deep breath. I, I, I think... Hampson is a victim of bad coaching, to be honest, and I think there's a lot of stuff that has to be coached out of him. But he could be a good player if he had the right coaching. Now, what, he he still does more than fucking Warnock does. At least he runs around the ground. He does get marks occasionally. He drops a lot, but he still gets some, and he does kick the odd goal. Warnock, I think, has kicked two goals for the year, and we all get up in arms when he takes one mark for a game. Now, look, he has improved at ground level, sure, but he's not Cruiser, and Cruiser's been injured all year. Will you ever see Cruiser back? Ah, Cruiser is Mr. Cruiser is Mr. Potential. He's like my high school reports. Has potential, but never uses it. You know, <laughs> but the guy has two good games a year, and he's not even going to get them out this year because there's no way we're going to bring him back this year with when we're playing like this. So. That's 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 where Carlton are at. Any 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 other questions? No, let's just hope they do a, no. a good performance against Collingwood on Sunday. Have you have you had your amusement now? <laughs> I think that wraps up the Carlton podcast for this week. Right. <laughs> oh, let's move on to the games coming up for this round, shall we? And put this week behind us. I think that's a good idea. (laughs) Round 15 and Friday night sees what could be a cracker of a game at Etihad Stadium. Then again, we could have another night of rolling malls. It's Geelong versus Essendon at uh, Etihad Stadium for some reason. 
I think this is going to be a nice attacking open play rather than the um, different, well, what we saw last week. I think this is going to be a nice high scoring. These two teams always seem to put on those shootouts and um, this is going to be one of those high scoring, like 110 to 105 results. And I think it might just go the way of Geelong here. Okay. The interesting game, probably the game of the round, looking at the others for me, um, Hawthorne and Gold Coast. Oddly enough, at Aurora Stadium. <laughs> Tasmania, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Tassie, <coughs> Tassie, Tassie are getting the game of the round for me. I know. I would expect, uh, I, I would expect Hawthorne to fall through on this one. I don't think it'll be, uh, it, it'll be a close game. Um, I don't think it'll be a scrappy game. I think it'll be a free-flowing game, but I think probably uh, Hawthorne should, given that it's in uh, Tasmania, I think they should win by a couple of goals, maybe two or three goals. You'd expect the Suns to be quite competitive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Gold Coast could get this one. That's uh, that's my gut feeling. I think uh, they're, they're starting to really believe in themselves, and so... I think uh, I would not be surprised if Gold Coast pulled this one off. Well, if they do, they'll be the talking point on, uh, you know, pretty classifieds yeah. for the rest of the week. <laughs> the, the fear will start to set in. Uh, St Kilda have got Richmond on Saturday afternoon in what should be a ripper of a game. <laughs> Battle of the bottom, um, I think this is. Uh, St Kilda and Essendon. Uh, St Kilda and Richmond. So, uh, Etihad Stadium will be a St Kilda home game, so uh, Etihad Stadium will have all of about 40 people in it uh, for this game. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> Honestly. Do you think St Kilda will come up and win this one, or do you think Richmond should be safe? Now, that's a good question, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if this was a draw. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> there is about as much interest in this game for me as there is in Tiddlywinks. I'd actually want to see Saints win, just so um, Tigers slip <laughs> even further towards the bottom. But um, that's the only comical value I think you can get out of this result. Well, Brisbane... Yeah, look, I, I think I'm, I'm going to say, actually, I think the Tigers will win this by about uh, four goals. The, I, I don't think it matters who loses this. I, uh, Brisbane have got North on Saturday night at the Gabba. So uh, I think uh, whoever loses... Uh, I, I think Brisbane will end up this round on the bottom anyway. But uh, Fremantle have got West Coast Saturday afternoon. A nice uh, Saturday afternoon game, uh, Seppo. And, yeah, it uh, uh, should be a good one, this one. And um, it, it's, well, one thing that we're, we're short on favourites to win this game, but it's interesting because West Coast's biggest strengths are their key tools and our two key backs, McFarlane and Johnson, are still out. So we've um, it's going to be a great match-up and we should be able to win this comfortably, but it could be a great contest and actually one to watch after the um, Hawks and Suns game. Is, it, is this rivalry round? Well, the only two rivalries I see is the uh, showdown and, well, I suppose you've got... Collingwood um, Carlton as well. Collingwood Carlton and the Sydney GWS game as well. So Adelaide there are a Port. couple of rivalries amongst all this. I'm honestly surprised Brisbane don't have you know, Gold Coast or something this weekend. Anyway, uh, Sydney have got GWS on Saturday night at uh, <coughs> at the SCG. Interesting game, but the Swans are just, I think, way too much informed for this. 
think uh, yes, one Cameron, Cameron at is, least 30 points. Cameron is expected back for this game, apparently. So, hang on, isn't what isn't that what we said uh, when uh, Sydney played GWS? Sorry, the first time this year. <laughs> I think Sydney are a different side now. I don't know what was that start of the season and that result that came out of it, but I think now you've got a better read on exposed form yeah, for these two sides this... and you get a fairly confident result of... If I was to put money on a sure thing this round, it'd be Sydney over GWS. Jeez, I tell you what, after after uh, Sydney's performance last week, uh, I don't think anything's uh, a sure thing this, this, this week. At the SCG, there should be a decent crowd for this too. Um, Swans crowds have been steadily rising for the last couple of weeks, but, I mean, whether they'll rise for a GWS game is another story. Brisbane have got North Melbourne at the Gabba on uh, Saturday night. Any, uh... North should should get the job done. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone's going to tip Brisbane here the way they're going. Um... Bulldogs. It'd be great, though, if Brisbane do win and the Saints do beat Richmond because I've just played around with a ladder predictor. It puts Richmond on the bottom of the table. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, that would, that would be amusing. Now, Brisbane, uh, Western Bulldogs, rather, have got Melbourne at Etihad Stadium on uh, Sunday afternoon. This game is unusual in that Melbourne are playing a game away from the MCG in Melbourne. I know. Tragic, isn't it? Something's wrong there. But... <laughs> um... I think it's going to be uh, the Western Bulldogs over Melbourne uh, on penalties, four goals to three. <laughs> it could be a low-scoring effect in the um, keep of the, the World Cup theme. I, I do think this is going to be a bit of a low-scoring affair, but you expect the Bulldogs to get the job done, um, providing they can actually put a good team on the park. I don't know, Mike, if the um, you're going to be forced to make too many changes to your side or if you're actually going to strengthen it based on the um, outs of last week, but you think Melbourne are showing sides of getting tired and, and they have lost uh, one or two of their big performers so you expect Bulldogs to get the job done there look no. I think in this case it's going to be a, it's going to be a case of uh, which team is the least out of the worst of them or the least worse if that makes sense mm. no I, th- I think uh, I think Melbourne will get up for this one sorry uh, sorry Mike it's um, yep, just a gut feeling I have <laughs> <laughs> so you think Jack Watts is going to have a big game? He's one game of the year, do you? That's it. It's about time. <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I just, I, I, I just, it, I don't think it matters really who wins this. But Melbourne, I think, will get up. Um, actually, I think it does. I think it. I actually, I, I really think it does matter. Well, to, of course, it matters to you there in the sense that I think uh, if the Dogs lose this one, I think. You know, a lot of people now are starting to ask questions about McCartney and, and where he's taking this team. And, uh, you know, is he a list builder or is he a coach? And while people think he's a good list builder, is he a good match day coach? So this is one of the games that you would think that uh, he needs to win. Yep. OK, that's that's fair enough. Uh, the big game on Sunday, though, is the uh, Adelaide-Port Showdown uh, at uh, Adelaide Oval. This is in the uh, afternoon there. Um this is possibly a contender for match of the round. Um, Adelaide, uh, the, the the showdowns are very hard fought, and the teams are fairly close in the end. But Port uh, will probably get up over this one for mine. I don't think Port came. I think Port came out uh, relatively unscathed last weekend. So based on their fitness and where they're at, I'm. I think I'm ticking ticking Port. In uh, not quite a walkover, but comfortably. 
I'm Obviously. tipping poor based on Adelaide have been quite uninspiring this year, so give the points to point here. Mm-hmm. And the last game of the round, Collingwood Carlton, uh, in the hated Sunday night slot uh, at the MCG. Pies by 80. Yeah, look, I, I won't say by 80, but I think uh, if uh, Nathan doesn't win this one or, or, he, or Collingwood doesn't get up against uh, Carlton considering their respective positions on the ladder and their form, um, I think, uh, again, it's one of those things where questions will be asked of Nathan as to what's going on there. So, no disrespect to Carlton, but I just don't think they've got uh, the goods to beat the Pies this weekend. I'm going the upset. That's what I'm tipping this week. <laughs> I'm going the upset. Carlton by 21 points. I've had my turtle uh, in its cage and it's walked over to the, the Blues instead of uh, Collingwood. So, um, yeah, that's... that's... Do, you, do you expect to see a shake-up at the um, selection table this Thursday? No. <laughs> Just... No play the kids? It's one of those fingers in the air things. Oh, honestly, if I hear the words "play the kids" one more time, I am gonna stab someone. I think play the kids. It's round fourteen for Christ's sake. I think Bootsman tried that, and look where it, look where he ended up. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, poor Bootsman. Poor Bootsman's wife and kid. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we move on. <laughs> we do move on indeed. We'll leave that one alone. Um, look, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we wrap it up? No, I'm uh, just excited to get another round of uh, footy under the way and um, hopefully get a good result over our local town rivals. Oh. No, unfortunately, with this weekend's game, I'm feeling very unexcited <laughs> and uninspired. All right, well, good luck to both of you in your games this weekend. Uh, good luck against uh, West Coast there and good luck against Melbourne. And as for me, I'll need Jesus to come back and the earth to open up and swallow Collingwood. Um, but stranger things have happened. So thanks for coming on tonight, guys. Thanks, uh, Seppo. No worries. It's a pleasure to be on here and uh, look forward to coming on again. And uh, thanks... Uh, uh, Mike. <laughs> That'll be Mike. <laughs> yes, no worries. Thanks, guys. Always good to get on the band awake with you guys and talk the usual uh, weekly footy stuff. Hopefully, we'll have a few more uh, interesting uh, events come up after this weekend's game and something a little bit more substance to talk about next week. And a shout out to Prosecutor, who's probably in a cave somewhere with the headphones on and his eyes uh, covered up. <laughs> No, he'll be listening to this week with no talk on Asada. Burning his effigy of Caroline Wilson. (laughs) 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 And a shout out to Messenger, uh, who is lazy and not here. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you all on the forums. Good night for now. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So dark